0: It's Road Safety with Accident Angels. Uh, Joining us, Dr. Lee Randall. Firstly, who's Dr. Lee Randall and what do you do exactly?
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I'm a road ethicist, so I focus on the ethics of road use and I'm a co-founder of the Road Ethics Project, which is designed to just help people think about how we behave on the road and the kind of thinking and assumptions that underlie how we behave on the road.
0: Uh, Doctor, so your state of mind, that can also add to something like, like road rage then?
1: Absolutely. And we can actually look at four different kinds of ethical reasoning that people may use on the road, and that can help us understand where road rage might come from. So I'm going to run through some of those uh, key ways of thinking about what is right and what is wrong on the road. And let's start with the person who's very law abiding and, and considers the law to be the most important thing. They are called deontologists. The word deon, comes from the Greek word for duty. And they are very duty-bound and they believe everybody should be duty-bound. And if the law says something is okay, it is. And if the law says something's not okay, it's not okay. Now, those people can be very prone to road rage. If they see somebody else breaking a road rule, they may get completely absorbed in anger and indignation and a desire to punish that person or at least show them that what they did was wrong. And so that can be a very dangerous mindset. And remember, the law alone is not the sole source of guidance for safe driving. If the law says you can go 60 Ks an hour and so you drive right through a school zone where you can see their kids walking, you drive through it at 60 Ks an hour because the law allows you to, because there's no sign saying slow down, then that can be incredibly dangerous. The safe speed, the ethical speed when going past lots of pedestrians or past a school, is 30 kilometers an hour. That's a global norm these days. So a deontologist who's overly focused on the law just might not slow down appropriately. Shall I mention the other three? Yes, please. Yeah, please, please, please. Great. So here's one I'm sure we'll all recognize. The egoist there is a kind of ethical reasoning that says my biggest duty, what is right for me to do, is to take care of me and mine. So my kids, myself, my circle. And unfortunately, that can lead to some very dangerous driving. So people don't often point fingers, let's say, at the mommy in the SUV. They might point fingers rather at the taxi driver but the mommy in the SUV who's totally focused on getting her kitty to school on time or to an extramural, or is maybe doing something like putting on makeup while driving because she wants to look good. Now, that's egoistic reasoning, and that can be incredibly dangerous because people reasoning like that are forgetting that they share the road with other road users who have their own needs and priorities. Then there's a third type. And that is uh, what we call utilitarian thinkers, or we can call it the greater good thinkers. They're kind of always mentally, morally adding up who's going to get benefit. How can we benefit the most people in this situation? So a utilitarian thinker might, in fact, be a taxi driver who goes, "Well, I've got 15 people in my taxi relying on me to get them to work on time," whereas. That car has one person in it, and that car has one person in it. So utilitarian thinking can actually shape behavior on the part of people like taxi drivers. On the other hand, if you as a solo driver in a private car let in a taxi or a bus, based on the reasoning that, look, there are lots and lots of people in that vehicle, their safety must be prioritized then you too are a utilitarian thinker. And in many ways, that's a very good way to think because it allows the most people to get to their destination safely. But the fourth kind of ethical reasoning is probably the most significant and the most useful. And it actually is very much at the heart of South African ethics. And that is what I call Ubuntu ethics. And that's really about recognizing that we're all part of a community. We're not just an individual. We're part of a road-using community. And my safety relies on your safety, and your safety relies on my safety. And if we all focus on the safety, the dignity, and the worth of every road user, of every type, from a child pedestrian to a Pantechnicon driver to a minibus taxi driver to a donkey cart, then we have the greatest chance of having a truly safe road system.
0: Doctor, I love that. Ubuntu ethics on the road, it it just makes sense. It feels right. And if we all just take that responsibility on ourselves to just be that Ubuntu ethics driver, then we, we are bound to see much less accidents on our roads, much safer road circumstances for all drivers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and Ubuntu ethics also stretches to the designers of the road system. So in the engineers, the transport planners, they need to put in place proper pavements. They need to put in place pedestrian protection where appropriate cycle lanes, definitely things like curb cuts for wheelchair users or people pushing prams, You know, the system design is incredibly important, and then it also comes down to vehicles. So what we know over the years is that people inside vehicles have become safer and safer and safer, at least with the newer vehicles, while people outside of vehicles have actually become more at risk. In the States, for instance, there are a lot more pedestrian deaths happening as vehicles get bigger and bigger, huge SUVs are incredibly dangerous to pedestrians and cyclists and to smaller cars and their occupants. It's really about the triad of the human being, the road and the vehicle.
0: But doctor, if you take a look at the systems currently in South Africa and the infrastructure, it's safe to say it's not up to standard. I mean, our roads are flooded with potholes, our sidewalks are overgrown, there's... It's not an environmentally friendly environment for pedestrians nor for vehicles. So how do we make the most of our safety and the safety of those road users around us in these circumstances?
1: Well, what we have to understand is that the system in South Africa is very flawed. And I'm going to just mention elements of the system that you haven't yet mentioned, which are, for instance, the process of becoming a licensed driver. As we know, there have been COVID challenges, there have been technological challenges, there's a big backlog in issuing of licenses. And we also have a pretty tough driving test, but many people say it's, it's tough, but it's not really safety-focused enough. And some of the failures are unnecessary, where they're overly technical failures. And some of the passes are actually fraudulent, where people have literally bought their licenses or bought their way through. So the entry into the system can be very problematic. And then some of our roads rules are not up to scratch uh, by international practices. And also our road safety education is far from up to scratch. So kids in South Africa, if they're lucky, they may get an hour of road safety education per grade. Kids in Germany are getting 20 to 30 hours per grade throughout their schooling. So they emerge into the world as very wise, not only about road rules, but also about crash risks. Because just knowing the rules doesn't tell you enough about crash risks. So yes, we have a very unsafe system. And I coined a term for it during my PhD research into Minibus taxi crashes. I said, our system in South Africa is crashogenic. In other words, it's absolutely logical that it produces high levels of crashes and also very severe crashes by world standards.
0: So you know what, with all of these variables and ups and downs and the ever-changing environment on our roads, you don't want to be stuck without a solution. So make sure you have accident angels for when the unexpected occurs.